Complicated. Burdensome. Stressful. Pressure. Impossible. Baffling. Intangible. Alienating. Confusing. Clear. The profound things that Jesus taught are at their core clear and simple. Centered around three key relationships. Up, in, and out. Up. A relationship with God. Grow it. Give it time and attention. Give Him time and attention. Because He first loved us. He is worth it. He is first. In. It's us. You. Me. All of us. Together. Not the programs. Not the building. Not the schedule. We. All of us. Are the church. And they will know us by our love. Our love for one another. So get your hands dirty. Serve. Challenge. Build up. Go deep. Go deeper. Together. Live in community. So they will know us by our love. Out. Look around you. The mission is here. And here. And here. So go. Wherever there's brokenness. Uncertainty. Despair. Indifference. Wherever people don't know the love of Jesus. With God, we can be restorers. Offering faith, hope, and love. This is our mission, to go. So go. Up and out. God. Community. Mission. Align your focus around these three relationships. And grow. Grow as a follower of Christ. Grow with us. Here you'll see that nobody is perfect. Everyone's welcome. And anything is possible. So good morning again. My name is Ed Griffin Hagen. I'm one of the pastors on our staff at Church on the Trail. I'm thrilled that you're here. Uh, if you're a first-time guest, we welcome you big time. And if you're watching online, we've got a lot of folks watching online every Sunday. I want to welcome them. And as we get started this morning, or really before we get started, you know, I just want to let you all know, of, of, because we are family and let you know, if you didn't know, a lot of you do, that uh, we had one of our... Uh, one of our family members that went to be with the Lord uh, the day before yesterday, Dan Brim, passed away Friday night. And uh, <clears throat> the viewing is at Striffler Hamby today from 3 to 5. The funeral is tomorrow at 2 o'clock at Striffler Hamby. Dan was a, was a great guy, but here's the deal. And I said this this morning when we were praying out there. If you believe that what you believe is really real, then he is literally at this moment at the foot of the throne in the arms of the Lord. And, and really, and that, that's, that's, what, that's what we need to do. And so it's painful for us here because of our flesh. Um, and so the prayer really goes to Nancy, his wife Nancy, and they've been married a long time. And the, the coming days and weeks and months are just probably not going to be that easy for her other than hope. And hope is what separates a believer from an unbeliever. And so... There's hope, and she knows where he is, but the flesh is weak, and, and, it, and it gets discouraged. And so y'all just pray and keep praying for Nancy and their family. Uh, I also want to do one more thing that we're trying to do this every week as well. I want us to pray for another church, for any needs that another church has. Today I want us, I want us to pray for Calvary Baptist Church. Some of you know Calvary. Calvary's got a ton of different ministries, the school, the Alzheimer's uh, Center, the, which is called a Greenhouse Project. The, uh, the Gardens at Calvary, which is an assisted living center. Got all kind of stuff going on over there. 
<clears throat> and they have a transition of leadership going on right now, which is just what we had last summer. And it is just not always the easiest thing in the world to do. And they're going through that. And we, as a family, as a church family, His church, we need to be praying. So if y'all would pray with me. Lord, we love you today. We really do our best to understand uh, about the church. And not just this church or that church, but about your church. And your church is built by, uh, of, of all the believers of all time. And so we lift our brothers and sisters at Calvary Baptist Church up to you as they transition in the coming, whatever it is, weeks or months, uh, as they, they have a, a, a transition in their pastorate, that, uh, that they, their family would be focused not, never having been focused on the pastor, but be focused on you. And so, Lord, our prayer is that they would focus on you and let you lead them and let you guide them. And so we lift them up in Jesus' name. Amen. So, we're in week three of this little mini-series that we're calling When God Builds His Church, and we've been walking through the last couple of weeks of what that looks like, what it looks like when we allow Him to build His church. Last week we talked about some marks or some characteristics of His church. Not of our church, of His church. What does that look like? And so last week we kind of did the first, we talked about the first three. The first being solid biblical teaching. The second being serving in this building and outside of this building. And then the third being really love and genuine authentic concern for people. Those are the first three characteristics of, of what it looks like when God builds His church. Today we're going to look at three more of those characteristics and probably three more next week. Of a church that God builds. His way, using His plans. I heard a story Thursday night. We're having dinner with some friends at Countries, and, uh, and I heard a story. And the story was about a, a true story, about this young girl. She's having, she had had some kind of get-together, <clears throat> and she was putting up a ham, had served a ham. And, the, and, and, and my friend had seen that the ends had been cut off the ham. He said, why do you cut the ends off the ham? Is there something magical about that? And she said... To him, well, no, my mom, that's the way she taught me to cook a ham. You cut the ends off, you do whatever you're doing, you put it in the oven. And, and it got her to wondering. Uh, so the next day she goes and she talks to her mom. She said, Mama, why don't, why don't we cut the ends off the ham? Like, really, what does, what, what was, what's the point of that? And the mama, her mom, says uh, that, that, that her mama, the grandmama, the girl's grandmama, had always done it that way. She said, well, that's the way we've always done it. We cut the ends off the ham, we put it in there. And then the grandmama, the girl's grandmama, the mama, says, well, I really wonder why is that, why, why do we do that? Is there something about that that makes it better? So you got the girl, you got her mama, and then you got the grandmama. And so when she asked the grandmama, she said, well, it just makes it better. That's just, that's just, don't be foolish. That's the way you do it. You cook a ham, you cut the ends off, you put it in the oven. So then the great-grandmama was still alive, and so they said, we're going to ask great-grandmama what it is about cutting the ends off the ham that makes it so good. So at Thanksgiving, they said to the grandmama, they say, you know, why do you cut the ends off the ham? Why is it better when you cut the ends off the ham? And great-grandmama said, matter-of-factly, she said, I had to cut the ends off because my oven was so small to get it in there. <laughs> so that's a true story, y'all. The whys, the whys that we do things, why do we do what we do are critical. They're just critical. The, the, the whys need to be driving the what's. The what's don't need to be driving the whys. The whys need to be driving the what's. So me and you, we really do constantly need to be looking 
at why we do what we do. We need to inspect our traditions to see whether we really know where they're coming from and why they even exist, and probably more importantly, whether they really accomplish whatever the purpose is. So number one uh, mark for today that we're going to talk about is a willingness to change, to be adaptable. You got it, I hope, if you've got to worship God, it's the first little bullet point in there, is a willingness to change. Y'all, there is nothing sacred about tradition. Please understand that. There is nothing sacred. Jesus wrecked the traditions of man. He wrecked them. All the time he wrecked them. The Pharisees, just one, the Pharisees were fanatical about the dietary laws and about the fact that they said that unclean foods defiled you, that, that whatever you ate, if you ate something that, that, the, that the Scriptures said were unclean, that that defiles you. They twisted God's law around, totally twisted God's law around, and, and, and that the law that was for their own good, that it was for their own health and well-being, they twisted around and made that a damnable offense, and that was so not the point of it at all. And Jesus comes along in Mark 7, and he says, there's nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him, but the things that come out of a person's, uh, out of a person are what defile him. I grew up keeping kosher. Kosher is the dietary laws. We didn't eat in my house uh, where I grew up. We didn't eat pork. We didn't eat any kind, any kind of pork. We didn't eat ham. We, did, we didn't eat shellfish because all these things are, violate the, the, the Levitical dietary laws. We didn't eat milk products with meat products because that violates the dietary laws. We had separate sets of dishes for meat products and a separate set of dishes for, for dairy and for milk products. And we, in our house, that's the way we ate. I didn't know why, because mom and daddy said so. So that's, that's how we ate. But outside of our house, we ate however we wanted to. We'd go have barbecue pork sandwich. We'd go do whatever we wanted outside of the house. And I thought, this is so stupid. If... I don't even know why we're doing this. My mom and dad didn't. The only reason why they did it because their mom and daddy did it. Didn't know if you, because if you go back and the reason that those laws exist is for our well-being and for our health. Anybody ever heard of the Jesus diet? If we all ate the way that the Jesus diet is, we'd probably all be a whole lot healthier. And, and it goes back to the scripture. And so it's absurd that we didn't know why we were doing that and if it was about the health, so we could be healthy, I guess, inside our house. But when we went outside our house, house, we could eat however we wanted. It just makes no sense. And a dynamic church, a church that is built God's way, ought to regularly bust out of ineffective methods, even if it's always been done that way. I cannot think of a, of a worse reason to do anything then, well, that's just the way we've always done it. It's just the way we've always done it. It's so easy for a church to get really comfortable in, in unchanging things that we can all lose sight of why they exist. It's like the ham. We, we lost sight of why it exists. In our church, for example, we've always had, up until last year, we've always had one rally day. We've, and I've told you all this a hundred times that, that our yardstick is, does it lead people to the foot of the cross, whatever we do, lead people to the foot of the cross, or does it help people grow? We've always had one rally day. Well, guess what? More people 
more people will be exposed to growth groups. More people at the end of the day will come to know the Lord if we had two. So last year we changed rally days to two weeks in a row, two Sundays in a row, and the immediate result was there were more people, way more people that were involved in growth groups. There's lots of little things, little things that we need to constantly look at and constantly examine and run through the Jesus filter. This is my own made-up little thing. You know, what is the Jesus filter? Well, the Jesus filter has two sides. The first side is, does it this or that, whatever it may be, does it lead more people to come into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ? And the other side of the Jesus filter is, does it help people grow? Does it help people, whatever it is that we're doing, does it help people grow in their walk with the Lord? The Jesus filter is our why. I hope that makes sense. It is, it is the why that everything that we do as a church family, it is the yardstick and it is the why. And the truth is, it really ought to be the why for every church and why every church does whatever it is they do. The whys need to be driving the what's. The why is what drove the Apostle Paul. He sometimes, you may even say often, adapted, uh, the Apostle Paul adapted his preaching schedule as he was on mission. We think very often that Paul probably taught every day of the week. He probably preached every day of the week. He may have preached one message today, two tomorrow, five the next day, three the next day. He may have started preaching on, on Thursday at, at 9 o'clock in the morning and, and, and the Holy Spirit... Was, was all over it, and he, and he preached till 3 o'clock in the afternoon. You know, that kind of intensity in preaching, it still exists today. It kind of doesn't really exist in the United States, in mass at least it doesn't, but it exists in the world. It exists in Africa, for example. It exists in Africa, where often Christians in Africa, they meet at, at sunup for worship, and they may not be finished until sun down. They adapt to the needs of the culture that they're in. They let the Holy Spirit lead them in whatever it may be. And it may be worship, it may not be. That song we just sang, I say we like I sang. You don't want me to sing. But that, that song about the Holy Spirit, it's just so true and it's so powerful. There, if we're talking about Africa, there seems to be uh, 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 we get cushy in, in America. We just get cushy. And there seems to be in Africa a much greater dependence on God and a more getting in line with and following the leading of the Holy Spirit. Their worship services sometimes, maybe even often, they morph into day-long, like spirit-filled, revival-type uh, experiences that just happen spur of the moment. They're just very open to shifting and changing at the prompting of the Holy Spirit. So let's talk about Africa for a minute. Um, maybe even talk about third world countries for a minute. We're going to go down a rabbit trail, but there's a reason that we're going down the rabbit trail. And we mentioned last week, if you were here, we mentioned Compassion International. And if you weren't here last week, you still probably have heard of Compassion International. And hopefully when you came in here today, you got one of these. Hopefully you got a bunch of these little cards. If you didn't get them, I want somebody to get them in your hands. So this is, we're going to talk for a minute about Compassion International. Their mission, 
their mission statement, their mission, their reason for existing is releasing children from poverty in Jesus' name. Releasing children from poverty in Jesus' name. So I want to let you know, we, we watched a little video last week, a minute and a half or so, about something that we're going to be doing uh, in, our, <clears throat> in our church. And I want to give you some details about it today. Uh, June 21st, 2nd, 3rd, and 4th, Compassion's mobile experience will be here. We are now their partner uh, in, uh, in Columbus, Georgia. We, uh, our, they, they reached out to us, which was, which was very cool, but we and Compassion formed a partnership that hopefully will last until Jesus comes back. So this mobile experience is they pull this 18-wheeler in and they build this thing around it. The footprint's 50 feet wide by 90 feet long, and it is an experience that people walk through. And it's a life-changing experience. It takes about 10 or 15 minutes for somebody to go through it. But we here in Columbus, Georgia, can make a difference in this part of the world. And we're talking about Africa. In particular, we're talking about Rwanda um, because we, we are adopting, we are sponsoring and, and taking a hold of a village in Rwanda. And so our part for this weekend, this June 21st through 4th, our part in that is to provide 60 volunteers, 60 volunteers, that's a lofty goal, but they tell us what they need, 60 volunteers for that, uh, that Friday, really that Thursday uh, through that Monday. People are going to come go through that experience. Many of them will sponsor children, hopefully in Rwanda. We as a church family need to sponsor children. We need 75 kids sponsored. So we are going to serve the people, our volunteers are going to serve the people that are walking through that experience. Releasing children from poverty in Jesus' name is a mission about love. It's a mission about love. You know, you don't need any special gift or talent or skill to, to serve, to volunteer for that weekend. You just need love. They will know you are my disciple, Jesus said, by the way you love each other. That's the way that, that, that people know that you are his. So when you volunteer, here's how it works. We need to provide 10 volunteers for the Thursday to help set up, 10 for the Monday to help break down, and then during the week, excuse me, during the experience when it's open, which is Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, there's a, they're open for eight hours. We need five people to work at the morning shift and five people to work the afternoon shift. It's not a big deal. It is really just loving on the people that are there, greeting them, showing them where to go, and the compassion uh, staff that will be here will do a quick little training with, the, with our volunteers and kind of show you what to do. Basically, you're just greeting people, and when somebody needs to go to the, use the restroom, you just bring them over into here because they're going to be parked in that parking lot over there. You just show them where the, where the restroom is. Help display the love of Christ and make their experience a little more meaningful. And it really is done, one major reason we're doing this is to set up us up for a mission trip to Rwanda in 2020 and then in 2021 and every year till Jesus comes back. And so that, that is what that is. That, so here's what I want you to do. And I want you to do it right now. I've never done this before, but I'm going to do it. Get your phone out and go to CompassionExperience.com and if you can't spell it, it's on the back of this card that you got. Go to CompassionExperience.com. Click on Find an Event. When you click on Find an Event, it's done by date, June 21st or 24th. 
you'll see Church on the Trail, and you can just follow the direction. It'll take you two minutes to volunteer to serve on that. It is going to... We have an opportunity. Just think about this. From right here in Columbus, Georgia, we can make a huge impact on that part of the world for Christ. The whole, the whole reason is for Christ. People will come to know Him that don't know Him. We will help to release people from poverty and then come to know the Lord. So I really want you all to go uh, to that website, take you two minutes and volunteer. Now, let's circle back to this flexibility thing, this willingness to change thing. Today, our church family is displaying just that. We go from, from 9.30 and 11 o'clock worship. Y'all are the ones that got the memo that we're changing, uh, moving it for the summer to 10.30. And I am totally convinced beyond all doubt that this passes the Jesus filter test, that more people are going to come to know the Lord and more people are going to grow in Him because of doing this for the summer. And so I'm encouraging y'all big time to stay flexible. And I'm encouraging y'all to keep me accountable to being flexible and to being willing to change when change is needed. You know, in the whole, you never know. Y'all, you never know. The Holy Spirit might lead me to keep preaching right now till 3 o'clock tonight. What y'all going to do if that happens? Don't answer that question. I don't want to know the answer to that question. Um, for real, though, I, I really do believe that there's two or three uh, key things, key reasons maybe, that will help all of us to stay flexible, that will help all of us to be willing to change when a change is needed. Number one is this. We've got to recognize that, and this is a fill-in-the-blank, I think, in your worship guide too, we've got to recognize that spiritual life trumps structure. Spiritual life trumps structure. You know, on some level, what goes on in your life and in, in each of your lives, the other 166 and a half hours of the week is way more important than the structure that we have going on here on, in this building on Sunday morning. This building, this is going to sound crazy for me to say this, but this building is not really God's house. You, as a believer, are God's house. 2 Corinthians, what does it say? Chapter 6, as for us, we are an inner sanctuary of the living God. And so what's, what, what, what he's doing in us, in me, in you, through you, what he's doing in and through you is way more important than what he's doing in the structure of what's going on in this building. Your growth in Christ and how, and it's not just growth for the sake of growth. It's your growth in Christ and, and how that plays out in other people's forevers totally trumps the structure of whatever's going on in this church building. So structure, structure is always trumped by spiritual life, number one. Number two is this. We've got to be open to the leading of the Holy Spirit. We've got to be open to the Holy Spirit's lead. We have to. If the Holy Spirit is the one behind the change, if He is... If he is leading the charge, if we allow him to lead the charge and lead the change, then me and you ought to be willing and uh, totally willing to embrace whatever change that may be. I want to tell you all something. On top of that is this. 
there is an absolute direct relationship between our prayer life and being in tune and sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Totally direct relationship. They're inextricably linked together. Let me, de- let me just tell you what, what prayer does, at, at least how much I think and believe that it makes a difference. Two weeks ago when we started having people praying over in that room over there, and y'all do know, if you weren't here two weeks ago when we said that, I want, just want you to know that every time we're in here in a worship service, there's somebody in there praying for what's going on in here, what's going on in this stage with the worship team, with the message, with me, with y'all, what's going on out there with the, with, the, with the preaching of the Word and the hearing of the Word. There's somebody in there praying the entire time. And so, anyway, two weeks ago when we did that, the, during the first service, between the second and third song of the first service, there was about a 30 or 45 second pause. Stephen says, told me it wasn't 30 or 45 seconds. He says it was five seconds. I say it was 30 or 45 seconds. And, and see, again, I get an amen. amen. And it was, it was unplanned, and it was almost awkward because it's kind of awkward when you're sitting there and there's nothing going on on the stage. And so we kind of frown upon that. But th- during this 30 or 45 seconds, I was overwhelmed. Like, I can't even explain it. I was sitting right there, standing right there, and, and Richard was standing next to me, and I was over completely overwhelmed with the presence of the Holy Spirit, really like I almost don't think I've ever felt before. It brought a tear to my eye, and, and what popped in my head was somebody just got saved.